0: Well, today we are continuing our discussion in Genesis chapter 1. We've been in Genesis chapter 1 for a while now, haven't we? Um, yeah. Um, and uh, I think this is week 18 in Genesis chapter 1. Uh, but today we're still talking about the rulers below. And who are the rulers below? Us, that's right. Us, we're the rulers below. If we look at... Genesis chapter 1, uh, God blessed them, if we look at, uh, what, what is that verse, uh, I ain't got my glasses, Genesis uh, 28, uh, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, and multiply and fill the lands to do it, and rule over the fishes below, and the fish, Where are the rulers below, the rulers above are what the, we've, we call the angels, or the, I, I like the Elohim better, um, but the uh, uh, angels, what we commonly call angels, um, but the rulers below are us. And so we're talking about that. And one of the things that it says is it says God created humans. If we look right there in the middle of that, there, God created humans in his image. In his image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Uh, what a beautiful image that is. Uh, you know, the, 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 the plurality of it in itself. I think that's a key to it. Uh, that's a part of the key that we often overlook. We, we say, God created him, and then we just leave it. I mean, if we're, you know, to describe the, you know, as a kid, or I guess even as a young man, almost dropped that. Um, you know, it was like, okay, we, we got the image that God created man, and then woman came out of man, and so, and then woman led man to mess up from the perfect state, and and so we see the, but here, we really see that it's it's not like, okay, females were created in male's image, like, commonly taught. Here, it's, in this very first chapter, it's, it's the the plurality man and the unity of man and female together being created together is the center of this poem that man and and, and, and that that male and female together are the image of God. And that's something very beautiful about that that um, um, that this this divine image is 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 you know the the duality of gender is uh, gender is is uh is very important if in this image um and we we see that as um as it's the center of this little poem here which uh as we've discussed already that nothing in the first chapter of genesis is in its position on accident everything is put out in its position very thought out it's not like they were like oh well this just happened to be the center you know when i write something absolutely that just happened to be the center nothing in genesis chapter one is accidental it's very well thought out the image there is amazing um that somehow god's image in a special way, is, 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 the uni- is the unity of human as one species the, that is both male and female. And uh, uh, that's the, the divine image of God. Um. So uh, this image... This dual image of God that we've we've already talked a lot about that. Um, the rulers uh, of above got night and day, uh, day and night, and that's very important. But the uh, and the the rulers below is 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 all about um, being fruitful and multiplying. So like the rulers above was all about like order and time and the seasons. And the rulers below, however, were much more um, about being fruitful and multiplying, and 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 um, and expanding, and being part of the land, and and that's really, really the the story of the Bible, right? Is about this fruitful and multiplying and spreading, and you know all the things that it takes with us, and. Um, but um, in the rest of the bible it's interesting you know we get this portrait of a god who wants to share his house even like jesus i've gone to prepare a dwelling place for you the idea in that i know in your king james it says something like a mansion but the greek it just says dwelling place for you uh most uh Scholars think it was more just a place for you to dwell your head inside the house of God. Um, it's more like there's a room for you in the house. We're not like you get your own mansion. So we get this idea. We get our own mansion somewhere else. You guys can keep your mansion. I'm going to be in God's house. <laughs> um, in the temple. In, in, in Living in the temple with God. That's 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 the dwelling place that uh, and so we have this image that God wants to share he wants he invites us to share um, the world itself um, and um this um this is a portrait uh, you know uh, who's who's so generous that he's invited us to to share in his creation he's you know like I mean, have you think about that? Here's a God who is, controls everything, created all things, right? He doesn't have to share. And some, I know a lot of uh, Christians who says he doesn't. But here, very right in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, you see a God that says, "I I want you to rule over this. He doesn't have to give us any kind of sovereignty at all. He doesn't have to give us any kind of ruling. He doesn't have to. But he says, "I want you to rule in this image." That's 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 beautiful. That's, a, that's a, that says something about God. You know this 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 generous God, who's um, who has chosen, who is handed over to a creature to carry out his divine purpose. Uh, not by being his slaves, but to be his image. Um, and our job is to delight in partnering with him. It is his image. Now, let's talk about that word, image. Now, a lot of times when I t- we talk about the word image, a lot of times we think of things like, okay, well, we're, we have laughter because we're creating, a, or we got community, or we got souls, or we got all these things that are very physical. Remember, but I told you this book is, is more about the metaphysics, the, the what's behind it, than it is the physics. And we miss something a lot of times because we're not using the same language that they are. You know, when we say image, we think of things like a, pol- a Polaroid, Right? Well, you know, when I got on TV, that's a nice image. Um but the word image in the in in, in here in the Hebrew, the uh Tselem uh means uh I mean image or uh, uh there's another word uh demut which means uh likeness. Um and they are commonly commonly referred to to refer to physical statues, either of stone or wood. So when they say he created, and you, his, we'll go back to that passage right there. He says, in his image, in the image of God he created him, the, the automatic thought that they're thinking of is not like, how does that mean we're his image, you know, because we've got laughter, because we've got souls, we've got, you know, or commune, or, you know, like I said, one of my favorite books was about how we're com- made for community because we're in the image of God. That was a great book. But that's not the Im- immediate image, that's not a real thought that they would have had. Their immediate thought would have been of the little statues, or sometimes the big statues, <laughs> um, idols. And that's what they would have commonly thought of, um, that, that, that um, and I, I think there's, there's great significance in it. Uh, we could grab a, a sense of the word. I did put some examples of where the, the word image is used, um, just to grab a sense of the word. We're not going to actually talk about these passages, we'll just kind of get a feel for the word. Um, this is Numbers 33, um, 51. Uh, speak to the son of Israel and say to them, when you cross over Jordan into the land of Canaan, you shall drive out the inhabitants um, and, their, and destroy all their figures of stone and destroy all their molten salems and demolish all their high places. Uh, you know, this is Moses saying to the people before they go into the the land of Promised Land. When y'all get over there, and you, you know, it's y'all. Uh, when y'all get over there to the Jordan land and Canaan, drive out all the habits and destroy the places and and their molten Salems. There, it's uh salamim, me uh, uh, is the plural of it. Um, uh, so it's it's um, so it's it's thinking like in in this passage. We get a feel that it's really very much just these idols that they've they've got these molten idols of all their gods and in the land of Canaan. And said, well, "You need to destroy those." Yes. Yes. Who is God talking when He says this? Uh, well. Let us create them in our image. Well, there's two, I mean, we eventually get around to thinking about it in um, Trinitarian thought. But really who I think he's talking to is the Elohim, all the spiritual beings that are with him. So that would include the cherubim, the seraphim, the, um, all the people in his, his courtyard. I would say this is not so much about the physicalness. Now, we at least do look like the angels, at least in some regard, because they're usually the angelos, meaning the messenger brand. I mean, obviously not like the cherubim and the seraphim, or because uh, a cherub apparently is a, you know a much different creature, you know, bright-sighted, six, you know, uh, uh, you know, four wings and. Um, and then there's the ones with all the eyeballs, but the messenger ones. We also we often um, most of the time when they come in, you're like you're like, I, is that a person or is that a divine? You don't know they're divine messengers until they do something crazy, like you know, um, and they they make some prophecy and they're, and they're like you know pulling a lot out of places and, you know, shutting doors. And, you know, we don't know they're divine messengers until they do something. So there's at least some kind of physical resemblance. Um, and then maybe, I don't know if they take the form or I, that's, that's beyond me. But, um, but there is some kind of, but I don't really think this is about the physicalness of it. I think what they're saying here is the image is they are thinking of an idol. And idols don't necessarily have to represent the physical aspects of a god as so much as the character of the god. Um, For example, um, no one thinks that Hecate has a frog head, but she's seen many, many pictures with a frog head. Because the frog in that society represented a fertility um, they would put frogs, like in, in, in Egyptian society, they would put like frogs at the, the feet of uh, the, the, the pregnancy bed to, keep, to, to bless the, 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 the pregnancy, and you put a frog there. Uh, so it's kind of interesting, like when the plague of frogs come in, flo- frogs were actually often seen as a good thing. And now you've got this overabundance of frogs, and it represents the god, one of these other gods, as goddess of fertility. And you're like, wow, this. now we got this plague of them, and so that's You know, what they thought was good is now a bad thing, and we got a, so much they their fertility, and, and so it's it's really an attack on their deity. In this, uh, that's the, all the ten plagues, and if we ever get there, all the ten plagues do go up against the gods of Egypt. It's actually really cool, uh, the way that works. Um, so, um, because what the, the way they're writing and way, the way that God is doing this, he's, he's at war. See, in ancient civilizations, when two people fought, it wasn't just them that fought in their mind. It was their gods that fought too. And so, like, when Rome conquered the world, it wasn't just Rome that conquered It was Rome's gods that conquered everything else too. Um, and so, so like when Exodus happens, we're having this. So yeah, but we'll go back to image. So the image can also be a representation, like, uh, like in Exodus, we see like they created a bull, uh, a calf in the image they said, this is Yahweh. And they weren't saying worshiping a false God. They were trying to make an image of Yahweh of the Israel God, and they were trying to make an image of him, and so they made it of this calf. We don't really know why they chose a the calf. Probably has to do with fertility and, and blessing and growth. Uh, there's a lot of that kind of imagery in that society at that time period. But we don't really know exactly why they were. I've heard read several people with theories, but when you hear a lot of theories, that means we don't really know. <laughs> um, but... Um, so, yeah, so that represented them. So, you know, like, so even, like, an image of a calf to represent the God of Israel would have been seen as an image of Israel. And, like, God says, don't do that. Um, and so when they see, they say the word image, when it says God created, let was created in our image, they're not thinking so much of the physicalness of it. They're thinking of the, um, um, the statue, the representation and um and, and so we have um, yeah um, let us make God in our image according to our likeness, and so when they're saying that it's. Um it's not necessarily about the physical, and I think we often in Genesis chapter one, get caught up in the physicalness of it. where we do that a lot, um, but that's not how they're thinking um, it's It's about the image, what we represent. I want to look at a passage in Second Kings. Uh, so we're, we could actually do quite a bit with this passage, but we're not going to do all that um, so all the people of the land went to the temple of Baal and um, and and, uh, and tore it down. They smashed its altars and its Salem to pieces. They killed Matatz the priest of Baal at the altars, and then there's the you know um, Je- Jehoiad the priest appointed the guards of the temp- of the Lord's temple. Let's go back to here. Um, Second Kings, there's a lot of Israelites giving their allegiance to the Syrian god of weather, which is Baal. He's the god of the storms, god of the uh, the crops, god of the... Uh, Baal does a lot of things. The word Baal actually just means lord in Canaanite, and but it begins to represent one god, um, the god of the storm. Um, and uh, so Baal... Um, and, uh, um, and 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 they, they, they set up they set up all kinds of images in Israel, um, and they set up temples around Israel, and they, they this is the the Salem, so and and how you would represent Baal in a number of different ways. Um, sometimes he looked like a man, other times he looked like a bull, other times he looked like you know there's just different ways you represent him. Um, so uh, really, uh, when, you're, when you read Genesis chapter uh, twenty-six, is "Let us make God in our statue, as our statue." That's really what it's kind of saying: is "Let us make man as our humankind, as our statue." Um, and. Um, I think for modern people, it, um, and I, I, I understand the, the the difficultness of this because the concept of worship and alliance to statues is something we just, we don't have a lot in our society. <laughs> uh, though we kind of do, I mean, if you think about it, we give a lot of alliance to things like our, our cell phones um, um, and the brands behind those cell phones, you know, like... Uh, like apple, the apple symbol is a Salem, an image that represents an entire brand. Or, you know, that swoosh symbol represents an entire brand. Uh, so we have this kind of stuff, but we don't put our allegiance and our, our worship behind it necessarily. I mean, we, we as a society might, uh, uh, might uh, you know, value these things or whatever. But uh, we don't like say, well, I, this is my God. Um, though sometimes I think people believe it, um, but um, but um, and, and I think it's sometimes it's it's easy for us in our society to to misunderstand and um, and get kind of a superiority complex over these ancient societies because we're like well we're better than them we don't do that kind of stuff, um, but um, but in the ancient society you know. Um, when God makes a Salem, uh, I think God, the first thing in the Hebrew mindset is that God is making himself a statue, an idol. God is making himself an idol. Um, and the purpose of a Salem is to represent the deity. Uh, that's the purpose of it. Um... This is a bit technical, but I put a, a, uh, this is um, from In Search of Yahweh's Cult Statue in the First Temple. Uh, Great, it's actually a pretty good book. Um, uh, The first thing I need to cover is the word cult, as I say that word. Um, In biblical studies, we use the word cult differently than like pop use of the word cult and the religious, popular ling- religious lingos, uh, in, in, the, in like big biblical studies and religious studies, cult technically refers to liturgy and ritual practices of ancient temple. So just anything that took place a long time ago in their religious and, and, and uh, so cult practices. Um, so, if you were studying modern religion, you might talk about the cult practices of the church today, and we have our songs our hymns and our you know our sacraments and stuff like that and we wouldn 't be saying anything negative that 's just the religious practices of the time now that 's very different from like the popular way that we use that word, right? <laughs> um, and so I always have to make a, a a comment and say what we say here in religious. In, in academic text, the word "cult" very different than using the word, and uh, in, 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 you know where we're talking about like, you know, the cult of a modern pop star or uh, or uh, Nexum or you know or or any kind of different cult that's out there. There's there's a lot of different ones out there that <laughs> that we we're not talking about those when we say that we're talking about. the uh, um, the search of Yahweh's cult statue talks about the religious practices behind the, the statue uh, of, of Yahweh being the, the God of Israel. Um, so it's very different. But he says that uh, uh, Genesis uh, Genesis 26 can, uh, can, um, can only be understood against the background of the ancient uh, Yahweh statue. Um, now, I think we have to pause there and say, you know, like the, the, uh, the Ten Commandments. Um, well, the first commandment, right? Uh, make no image of Yahweh. That's, that's the very first commandment. There's, there's, and there's a certain logic to that um, because He's the Creator. And if you use a created thing to make an image of Yahweh, you're already downgrading Him to say, you know, like, I can, create you, I can represent you with a created thing when, that you created. Um, that's kind of a downgrading, but it also uh, is to say. But God, uh, the reason we don't don't make any images is because he's already done it. He's already done it. Genesis chapter one, making uh, a Salem already. We're his image. We represent him. So anything we create to represent him is less than he's already done. Um. So uh, you know, and so um, so I think that's the really in the context of the biblical side that the um, that humanity is regardless uh, as uh, regarded as a statue of God. The term image and likeness are used as sentiments, uh, uh, sentiments. Hmm. Um, synonyms, denoting a statue. Uh, humans were thus created to be living statues of the deity. There were no need of a divine image because humans represented Yahweh as a statue and would, as a statue would have done. Um, so I, th- I think that's really, um, so, so when the priest goes to the Holy of Holies, uh, have you ever thought about this imagery? Uh, okay, um, Remember your temple or your tabernacle. You have like your outer courtyard, and then you have a your your holy place, and then you have your holy of holies, right? Inside the holy of holies, that's the, like the center place. And if you go in there once a year, the high priest is allowed to go in there, and you see a throne. That's the ark of the covenant, right? Um, and the ark of the covenant is, uh, is 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 God's throne, and there's cherubim. Um, Around it, and so there's two cherubim on either side of it. The cherubim are a type of angel. Um, You might see them like they angels pointing to the center. So the logic is that, um, um, and 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 between the cherubim on the altar is an empty space. Now, in traditional. um, in traditional um, altar imagery, there would have been a statue there in the middle of the ark. But there's not in the ark. The idea is that every year, that one point of that anointed human priest is entering the throne room and becoming the statue. They, they, according to tradition, yeah, they tied a rope around his leg, and, and if they, you know, in case he died while he was in there, and there was like color changes and all kinds of fun stuff like that. Um, the logic, uh, so yeah, so the, the the anointed human priest is the statue, um, the human, um, and, and I like this. This was um, another uh, uh, quote from a book. Um, God's image in his cosmic temple and the high priest. Another good book, if you're interested in this kind of stuff. That's a good one. Um, Humanity in the garden is an incarnation of God's heavenly presence and rule on earth. Uh, To appreciate the full force of his image of God in humanity, theology, we must have in mind the role of idols in ancient Near Eastern religion, where an idol is set up to be the real presence of God. Because God is really believed to inhabit the image. The image is, is the God. And is the proper care and uh, veneration uh, guarantees that God's benefits and uh, protection for the worshiping community. With theological anthropology, humanity is... To be the eyes, ears, mouth, being, and action of the creator God with his creation. This point gives the biblical prohibition of idolatry and is its strongest possible rationale for humans to make an idol is foolish because it fails to appreciate that according to the original order of creation in its humanity, The function in relation to God as do the idols in relation to their gods. Um, In ancient religious culture, you you know, you might have, you know, like in in Canaanite, you would have many statues of Baal. And if you destroy one of them, you haven't killed Baal. If you destroy all of them, you still haven't killed Baal. You can just make another statue. Um... And go through the ritual, which there is an actual ritual that uh, we might actually talk about, which it's kind of fun. Um, <coughs> anyways, the but the it uh, the ritual um, and it uh, it designates it now is the living embodiment of Baal, uh, but there's a res- uh, a real perceived connection with the the deity inhabiting and embodying the statue. So, like, you can destroy them all, and it's not killing the god, but it's still perceived as the god inhabiting and per- and the statue. And I know it's it's kind of strange for us. We're like, well, ah, that doesn't make sense, but it, it does. They have this very real image that God is living in, that their god is living in the statue. That is the living representation of the statue. Um, and uh, and we see. Um, that all these you know uh, and and you can go to the museum uh, you know museums go online run searches, you can see all these statues that survive, and you know they look all like crumbly stone or whatever uh, but they um uh, but you know but they were like ancient mannequins um, <laughs> um, they were some of them were very realistic with the representation, some of them were not um. But they were to believed to be the embodiment of the deity. Um, and I think that's really, as we read Genesis chapter 1, we have to really think about that context. That if we're the Salem of God, we're the living embodiment of God. Not that we are God. Don't get that confused. But we're the embodiment. We're His representation here on earth. Um, there's a, a very so um you know so um yeah so so it's it's very very much um that um that yeah that that we are um we're the image and um so humanity is the living idol And so we think about like the temple layers. Um, like you know, even Genesis chapter one we have uh layers of temples uh temple layers in in, in Genesis chapter one. We have like you know, um the imagery of, of Eden, you know, and you go to go on to Genesis chapter two, you have like the earth and you have the E you know, where you know where the, the garden and inside the garden there's a place called Eden, you know, um that's um that's there and so you have these kind of temple uh, and think about what happens on the sixth day. Ordered in the temple cosmos being, it's, um, it's the crowning moment. It's the moment at the very end where he's, his crowning moment is he creates his own image. His own Salem. Um, the living, thinking, breathing, choosing Salem that represents him. Um, and so that's definitely one layer of it um uh, and I think there's another layer here <laughs> uh, if if that wasn't enough right um, so that's one layer and and that human are the god's idol statues in a in his cosmic temple um but we also see this image that um the image of God equals humanity as God's royal image and I know maybe some of you don't know what a royal image is and that's okay we'll get there um, because you know you're not geeky like I am and study all these ancient religions um, but um, and that's that's perfectly okay um, but um but it's it it's um, the purpose of humanity's appointment is the divine e- image is. To royally rule over creation, right? Genesis chapter one, that we are the rulers over creation, um, and it's clear that God has um, um, He He alone has has mastered the the chaos of the world around it. They, you know, the the nothingness. You know, He pushed back the sea and and He He created that. He didn't destroy it, which is interesting um, because it does seem to pop up quite a bit. Um, but he pushes it back, right? Like the flood, the great flood was like this. It talks about the flood, like it was a coming from the the chaos waters, not just normal waters, chaos waters. And um, and there's there's other imagery, like the chaos dragon, which he could have just killed, but he created the chaos dragon. And and it, we're going to see that that one come up again and again and again. Um, but um, but God has mis, uh, unique mastery over it, um, so he, he alone can speak reality into an ordered existence. But now human is appointed as God's delegated ruler, his embodied physical image. And, uh, and that's really what a, a God's royal image is, is. It's the one who rules in the place of, on behalf of given power by Um, uh, Jared Von Rad uh, just as a powerful earthly king to indicate their claim to dominion erects an image of themselves in the province of their empire where they do not personally appear so humans are placed on earth as God's image as God's sovereign emblem um, let's look at some, some uh, ancient Near East em- uh, emblems. Uh, uh, Salem's. Um, here is uh, one um, ancient Near East background. Uh, this uh, a royal representative image. This is the statue of Assyrian king Haddad. Uh, Iti um, from the 9th century B.C. Uh, dedicated to Adad. Uh, Adad is another name for the god Baal, Um, uh, the patron god of Syria and is uh, described in uh, um, actually the image language of Genesis chapter 126 has some some kind of language referring to the the Salem uh, and uh, But the statue of the king represents Adad's authority in Hadad-iti. And it represents him. Even though he's not physically there, this statue represents his authority. It's like planting his flag. This statue represents him. Um, And on his tunic, which you probably cannot see from here, uh, on the bottom half where he's, all his tunic, on all his legs, that tunic, there's lots of writing on it. Um, And it's written in Aramaic. And um, I'm not going to read it all um, because it's kind of long. To Adad, uh, the likeness of Hatsi, which was placed before Hadad, controller of water and heaven and earth. uh, The image is established in his throne so that his utterance may please the gods. So yeah, so this this statue will describe, will be dedicated to Adad, uh, um, in likeness. uh, So it'll be like an image of the deity, and represents the king who is. uh, So it's representing it's representing a king who is giving it over to the weather god. Uh, But to, to say that this is my territory, even though I'm not physically there, you're still under my control. And so we have this kind of imagery. I also think that when we say image of God, he's also saying this kind of imagery too. Not only are we his idol, but we also take his authority with him when we go. And Jesus even says, all authority has been given unto me and I give that unto you, right? We are his and, well, the Holy Spirit dwells within us, yeah. He says, This is my image. You are my image. You take my authority with you. Where you go, it's now my territory. So the bull was a representation so the soul of the state. They have no say. Because that was bad. They didn't see God, they saw the backside of God. Well,. Who was it that wrote a book on image that talked about image in modern culture that I really like? J.R. Packard, maybe? It was someone like Packard or, or Tozer or something like that, um, that, you know, I could look that one up later. Um, I think it was Packard, just God, I think it was called just God or something like that by Packard. Um, and you can read that if you want more images about that, but um, the cross and the... Um, and all that representing is something we can talk about, whether it's good or bad or something like that. But we don't represent cross. The cross does not represent Christ. It represents what he did and his Christianity, and and kind of a symbol of the, the religion. Um, so, well, it's a reminder, absolutely. But it's not the same as an image. No, it was not, no, they, no, that's not, they created a bull in the likeness of what they, they were thinking what this is to represent God. Remember, they're coming out of a culture in Egypt where they were living for 400 years. So you can't tell me that, oh, they were separate from all that time. They were part of the culture. They, I mean, that's a long time to be there. They grew up with it, and all of the deities had images, and we can, you can, um, like, here's another one, uh, that image is, uh, is, is down in Egypt. That's a statue of uh, uh, Aminohep III, seated by Sobek, which is a deity. They all have images. And so the idea that they were the image was something they were having trouble when they were got down there and, and, and Moses went up to the mountain to speak to God and, and they were having trouble with the idea of, well, we need to worship in a way this Yahweh. And, and so they said, well, let's create an image to represent Yahweh. It's, uh, whoa, um, if you go to the app, the Laughlin Church app in our notes section, it's, um, I put it on there. Uh, this is just, I just, I went to Wikipedia and got this one, so. Laughlin <laughs> uh, Church app, the, uh, the app you can put on your phone, and you go to uh, notes, uh, fill, in, fill in notes, and uh, go to Tuesday night gathering, I guess is what we're calling this. And then you can choose tonight's, and you can see all the images, and you can f- take notes right there on the app and stuff like that. Um, and I put this image on there. Um, yeah, th- this one I just got off of Egypt, but uh, yeah. So, uh, but they were they were looking for a way. And so when they created the image of God, uh, they were they were wanting to worship Him. They weren't. It wasn't like they were trying to disown God right there. They just didn't know any better. It was bad, it was bad but it, they didn't know any better. And they were punished for it because they, you know, um, well some of them, but most of them they just had to eat the gold. Thankfully they made it out of gold. It's one of the few metals you can actually eat. Um, no, not in this case. They probably were put in a drink and they drink it. Really? Yeah. They still do that today. You can still buy alcohol with, with gold flakes in it. No, I'm talking about punishment. Oh, punishment. Yeah, there's some societies that did melt gold and stuff like that. But that's, that's not, 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 the, not this, this one. Um, but yeah, so... Um, but yeah, so the... the um, what he's saying, when, when we talk about the image of God, we've got to go back to the idea of the priestly role. Um, in 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 ancient society, ancient world, priest and kingly roles were a lot more blurred than they are today. You know, we have that separation picture. You know, um, but that's a very modern distinction. Um, we have a statue of a king um, who's also an image or likeness of a deity um, who had power over the land. And that's something that we, and so, but I think what we're, what I'm really trying to get at is that when God said, let's make a Salem in our image, he's, he's saying, let's create a an, an idol, a walking, talking, thinking, breathing idol that represents us, but is also, represents me, takes my authority with him where here he goes, and is the priesthood, that royal priesthood that we're going back, you know, like when you read in, in passages like, uh 1st Peter and stuff like that. We talk about the the royal priesthood. They're not making things up like this is new. It's going back to Genesis. Um, um. yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, the Nahushtan is what that is. Um, And that Nahushtan, the Nahushtan is a, at one point God commands, there was like all the serpents were biting them, the fiery brown serpents, actually kind of referencing, it sounds like the word for, um, seraphim so there's kind of this spiritual thing going on there too in this passage it's kind of interesting uh, the chaos you got this chaos serpent going on you got the seraphim going on you got the, there's a lot of things going on in that passage it's kind of it's a pretty cool passage um, <coughs> but Moses but they're, they're biting him and, and so <coughs> and God commands Moses take a pole put a bronze statue up on top of it and whoever looks on it with faith will be healed from the serpent's bite um, and that's, that's pretty cool. And then by the time we get to the kings, they actually destroy it because they're worshiping it instead. They be created it as an idol. See, it, in Genesis chapter 1, uh, it, I mean, sorry, when it was created, it's not an idol. It's something to look at in faith and say, hey, if you believe in Yahweh, it's, but it's not an idol to the snake, it's just a symbol of God's power. Over the chaos dragon. The, uh, well, you can take it that way. Um, but it wasn't an idol in itself. It didn't represent, because there's 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 a special representation that didn't represent the deity. Um, and until later on, when it's, they begin worshiping it as an idol, that's when they actually have to destroy it. God calls for it to be destroyed. Uh, that's why we know how long we have the Nahashtan because we started worshiping it um that's one of the reasons I think we don't have the the altar, the the uh, ark anymore you know I know some people say, oh, we have the ark and this person says we have the ark, and this other person says we have the ark, and there's lots of people say they have the ark and if you're a good Muslim, you believe that the ark will be revealed right before the 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 end times um but I think we don't have it because we started worshiping it as an idol instead of the one who was enthroned on it. Um, And I think that if we're not careful, this is me preaching here, preacher mode, Um, if we're not careful, we can do the same things with things like Bibles. We could do same things with church buildings. These are wonderful things like crosses. These things are all wonderful. I love this church building. But we can't worship it. The Bible is a gift of God. But we don't worship the Bible. We worship the one who commissioned it, is in it, that it's about, wrote it. I mean, that's, and we can do that very easily uh, with all kinds of things. And so, but if we, um, and so I, I think, um, so we have those images that represent aspects of God, like the Nahashtan. This represented God's power over the serpents. And because of the language, it also represents God over the spiritual battle that's going on right there. But, and so, but it didn't represent, it wasn't an idol, it was a representation of God's power over. And that's, a, that's an important distinction. Um, like the cross. It, people can be tempted to worship it. And I've met people that do. I, I knew a guy who, who used to drop a cross down on the back of his computer because it would protect, the cross itself would protect his computer from having viruses. The cross became an idol of some deity that would keep his computer free. I told him, I said, just stop working on porn, man. You get way less uh, um, viruses that way. Uh. (laughs) Um, But uh, but the cross itself became an idol. He just, you know, was like a magic symbol, which is not um, not the one who. We, we use it as a reminder of the one who died for us and rose from the grave. That's that's why in in uh, in in, the, in like Protestant churches, Jesus is still on it because we don't we we say well he he got off the cross he died and he's rose from the grave so he's not on it. And that's why um, the cross is bare in the Protestant churches. Um, but the Catholic churches they still have Jesus on it to represent uh, what he's gone through and how he still dying for you because it's for your sins and so there's there's a lot of kinds iconology uh, which is the study of icons Um, a very fascinating study not my area of expertise but it's fascinating i've read a couple books (laughs) but um but yeah um yeah so so we can use it to represent but when we start worshiping the cross as some kind of magic symbol, or a God that is in the magic symbol, or it's the representation of God, not us. That doesn't represent God. We do. Well that reminds us of what He's done, but it doesn't represent God. We do. And as soon as we start making it the representation of God, then it's the idol, not us. And so we have to constantly remind ourselves, we're the, we're the representation of God. That just reminds us of what he did. That's, that's a good point, that we do worship lots of things, but we don't realize we're worshiping Him because we're... Um, that's a very good point. You know, we, we, we worship lots of things, we don't think we're worshiping it because we say, well, well I'm a Christian, or I'm a... Um, what do you put a trust in? Um, yeah, I mean... Well, even, even that, that Genesis chapter 2, right? Or Genesis chapter 3, I'm sorry. Um Man and woman are, are given the option. Do you trust me to decide what's right and wrong? Or do you need to have the knowledge, the ability to tell what's right and wrong like God does? Do you trust me to tell you what's right and wrong? Or do you want to make that decision for yourself? And as soon as they, we, we screwed up and said, oh, I want to be like God, I want to make myself, I'm, we're already in the image of God. We're almost already his likeness, we're already like God. And then we say, well, I'm going to be like what God, like myself God. I can make that decision what's right and wrong. And we've proven that we're very bad at deciding what's right or wrong. Um, I, I think that very, you can look at our society right now, you can look at a lot of things and say, we're very bad at this. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, every time we make that decision to to look at our own image and say, you know, we're we're really making the same choices that Adam and Eve did, right? Uh, it's just, you yeah, know, we're making the same decisions. It just looks different. Um, uh, that's the Psalms, yeah. Some trust in chariots, other trust in horses, but I will trust in the name of the Lord our God. I forget the exact passage. When I was doing the Experiencing God Bible study, that was like one of the first passages you had to memorize. Um, I don't know if you guys know Experiencing God. Henry Blackaby came out a long time ago. And it gets re-updated every few hours. And I'm not going to do it again because I've already done it like three or four times. But uh, <laughs> but uh, um, it's a good one. If you've never done uh, Experiencing God, it's it's definitely worth it. Um but um but yeah, so um genesis one is saying is is trying to say let's go back to genesis one that 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 we are the pricely embodiment or representation of the divine presence which is God um, um there's another one this is um a uh, statue representing the image of an Assyrian king who is uh, commemorating a victory enacted by his god's victory, Baal, over a bunch of Syrian cities. Um, Alright, where are we at on time? We are... Ooh, okay. Um... I want to skip the next slide. Um, that one. If uh, if you're interested in this, this is another good one. Uh, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna read this right now. Um, but it, I think it's in the app. I'm not positive about that. But um, liberating image, the image, the imagio day in Genesis one it's a good book. Um, but I, as we look at the image of humanity in Genesis chapter one, we got to remind ourselves that there's not an image. There's not a human on Earth who does not have the royal and priestly statue, uh, status of an image of God. It's not like it's Christians and non-Christians. it's we are his image, humans, non-humans. Whether we act behave like that, whether we actually take up the mantle, that's something different. Um, no um, you know um. in um in ancient societies and in our own societies we um we we tend to to you know this group is is in and this group is not out is out you know this is we segregate that's i mean history's full of it right not just united states history all of history is full of segregation uh whether it be race or culture or creed or people group or languages or, you know, it's full of all kinds of different but on the page one of the Hebrew Bible it kind of sh- snubs all of that. It says there's not a human on earth. All of humanity. Not it didn't say just Christians, it says all humanity is has the the statue of a royal priest an image of God. Um that's why it was, you know, killing is so bad. You're destroying an image of God. Um and so um and we could go with a lot of direction of that, but it's, um, yeah. Um, God, we are out of time. My son, you had a comment? Oh, okay, you were just telling me it's out of time, I know. Um, he's, he's telling me we're out of time. Um, he's very good at telling me it's almost time to go home, I'm ready to go home. Um yeah I guess in 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 Mesopotamian culture there's an, uh well, yeah, I really want to talk about that okay we 're going to come back to this, the ritual transformation and divine image, and then we're going to continue in through the rest of the Bible and look at a few places of um, of the image of God in the, the storyline of the Bible, we'll talk about it, and we'll, we'll talk some about Genesis, uh, Genesis, and and um, um, Daniel. We'll spend some time in Daniel. I'm not going to go through everything, Daniel. You guys are going to have to be careful. Stop me if I start to wander when we're in Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, well, yeah, because Daniel, can, we can go to lots of rabbit holes in there. We're gonna, looking at image of God. We'll be in Daniel looking at image of God. Uh, yeah, um, and then we'll have, then that'll be next week, we'll talk about that, and then once we're finished with that, we'll, we'll talk about uh, seven. We're going to get into the seventh day, and the word seven, and then once we finish that, and that'll finish Genesis chapter one, is, uh, is when we get through seven, order, time, eschatology, all that wonderful thing, in Genesis chapter one. All right, so we're out of time. Uh, If you have any questions, write them down. Remember them for next week or just email me and I'll try to get back to you. All right, uh, let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Uh, Father God, we praise you today, Lord. We thank you for this wonderful uh, blessing of just gathering here and studying, Lord. I pray that we we take up the call to be your image, uh, bearers of your authority and your rule and your priesthood. Lord, it's not like just me, the pastor, that's the priest. We are the priest. Um, And we are your representation here on earth. We are your image. Help us take up that call and be adequate representations of you. Uh, Forgive us of those times when we don't adequately represent you. And, And help us to grow and become more like you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.